Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Such a complicated piece of this particular sadness because the marriage was not an easy one. Uh, he, you know, he, he loved the best that he knew how, um, which honestly wasn't, wasn't very nice, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is hard to say from someone who is gone. I mean, I'm sad at what was lost and I'm sad for him and I'm sad for so much of all of the pain, but I'm surprisingly so sad about what never even existed. Mm. What you're about to hear are two unscripted sessions with a grief therapist and a psychic medium. Neither Claire nor Fleur had any contact with the participants before their sessions. They were screened by me, Elizabeth, one of the producers of the podcast, in order to preserve the integrity of a psychic reading. Absolutely no information was given to Fleur before their psychic session. This is Moving Beyond the Podcast. My name is Fleur. I've been working as a psychic medium for over 10 years. I have sat in front of 15,000 people to give them readings. I connect people here in the physical world to something they can't see, to their loved ones on the other side. And that, to some people, is a really spooky, crazy experience, but to me, it's my everyday life. And I find that many people come to see me for a variety of reasons, either curiosity, wanting to see if it's real, or the deeper layers of grief, closure, healing, a way forward. A question that plagues people over and over again after a loss is, is my loved one really gone? I think mediumship can be an incredibly powerful tool towards healing, but it certainly is not the only one. I often send my clients to grief therapists afterwards, but I was thrilled a few years ago when I started hearing from my clients that doctors and psychiatrists and therapists were referring me. That was crazy to me. I always thought psychic mediumship was super taboo and super weird, and how could a doctor possibly recommend something so out there? But I was thrilled that people started to see that it's a real healing modality. One of these people was Claire Bidwell-Smith, a grief therapist, and she is also the author of three books on grief. I lost both of my parents by the time I was 25 years old, and it was a really deep and humbling experience, and it's what propelled me into this field. 
Whenever I tell people what I do, they usually take a step back and shake their heads. I think they imagine that it's really depressing and heavy. But it's not like that at all. Yes, it can be sad. It really can. But mostly it's beautiful and uplifting. And I find myself reminded every day about what makes humanity so special. We work in very different ways. She is a grief therapist, I'm a medium. But we see people at the same point of life. We find them in moments where they are at deep loss, grieving, not able to move forward, have questions that they can't seem to move past. Where are they now? Can they see us? Can we still communicate with them? The first time a client told me that they'd been to see a psychic medium, I was a little baffled about how to respond. I'd never seen one myself, and I felt really skeptical about the idea. I saw over a dozen psychic mediums in that time period, and no matter how good the medium was, I still found myself wondering if it was real. After a while, though, I stopped caring if it was real, and I finally decided that what was more important was how it made people feel. A good session with a psychic medium can turn things around for someone who is lost in their grief. I've seen it time and time again. I could have a client who was completely stuck, like doing all the right things, allowing themselves to grieve, working through their emotions, reviewing their relationship with the person they lost, going to grief groups, making amends, you name it. But still, they'd be stuck about something that happened with the death or some unresolved aspect of their relationship. And after a good mediumship reading, they would come away with a completely new understanding. They'd come away with a feeling of connection to their loved one and often a bit of closure. We wanted to share that experience with you, give you the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in the grief therapy session where someone is able to express and explore how their grief has shaped their current life. And then we transport you to a mediumship reading, a moment where you get to listen in on what a reading is and does and some of the answers that people can receive and do receive. We hope that some of the information that arises can help you too. No matter where you are in your stage of grief or loss or curiosity about the things we can't always see. I called Jamie for our session together. I know that she has gone through some particularly difficult losses. I'm Jamie, and I am looking forward to this experience because I'm a suicide widow. My husband took his own life about five years ago, and I have a lot of wounds from that that I'm hoping the grief counselor can help me soothe over and, and questions. And there's just a deep sense of rejection and betrayal for myself and my children and any tool that is out there that can help us heal those parts in a healthy way I'm excited to participate in. Hi, Jamie. This is Claire Bidwell-Smith. Hi. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'd love to start by just having you tell me a little bit about your story. Sure, yes. Well, there have been a series of deaths in my life, probably the two largest 
are the two most impactful that I, I feel like I still carry hurt and wounding from would be my brother who died just a few days before I turned 13. He was hit by a car when he was on his bike. Oh, wow. um, that's been several years ago now, but it was a it was a big loss. And then five years ago, my husband, we had been together for 15 years, died by suicide. Oh, wow. And that's that's taken a, a large toll as well. Those are two you know, really grief, big losses. Yeah, the grief process is just, it's a big thing to look at. <laughs> yeah. How old are you now? I'm 43. Wow. So let's uh, let's start with your husband's death and then yeah. go back to your brothers. So you're five years out. Do you have children? Yes, two boys. They were seven and eight when he died, and they're now 12 and 14. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. So tell me more about your marriage and your husband and his death. Yeah, I feel like that's such a complicated piece of this particular sadness because the marriage was not an easy one. You know, he he loved the best that he knew how, which honestly wasn't wasn't very nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hard to say from someone who is gone. But he and I were in counseling for many years, and I'm certain if he was here, he would admit the same. Mm-hmm. He just had very specific ideas of what his life was supposed to look like. He he really was was raised with this sense that the world was going to be his oyster, that he was meant for a special destiny. And then life pans out and, you know, it turns out that houses need clean and sometimes the business deal falls through and his wife didn't look the way that he thought that she should Mm. most of the time. And he was all more disappointment than he knew quite how to process. And and it was hard on my end to, to feel so constantly lacking. And I think for the suicide, it's I, I I ache to think of him ever in a situation where he felt like that's what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. So I hurt for him, and then I also for myself and for my children, it's like the ultimate rejection. Of course, you know? yeah, it's the ultimate. You're not even worth being around in any way, mm-hmm. which I know is is not where his mind space was at, but it's what it feels like. Of course, um, that's how we internalize it. It's always more complicated than that. But for the people left yeah. behind, it's often the way that we internalize it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's hard. It's hard as the mom, too. If I wasn't enough, I certainly feel like our children were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hate to see them aching. And I've been so focused on patching up any possible damage to their little hearts and making sure they feel completely loved and, and so wanted. And I, I think by and large, that's that's been a successful endeavor. And, and so it's surprising to me how much I still hurt. Mm. I just hurt. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we aren't able to feel those things in the beginning. You know, we're doing okay. everything we can to kind of survive and to cope and to get through it. And mm-hmm. that's why I always think that the five-year mark is kind of interesting because often around the five-year mark, we can really understand the scope of the loss. Yeah. Now that survival mode, when you said that, that really resonates. It's true. It's like, I feel like I'm just now sort of coming down from living at this sort of red alert stage. Mm-hmm. You know, the boys seem stable and are doing well in school. We have a little home and it's comfortable and nice and my job is going well. and 
I, I, I'm not looking for the next shoe to drop constantly mm-hmm. anymore all of a sudden. Right. Because there was so much rebuilding to do at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. You're finally in a place where you can breathe a little and you can, yeah. um, now those feelings really start to come up, your, your own grief. There's just a grief that I haven't really felt yet, or at least been aware of feeling yet. I, I mean, I don't know how to grieve a loss of something I never had. Mm-hmm. It's the loss of things I hoped to have. Right. Those those hope. I'm I'm I've lost those hopes. I've lost the person who's going to watch the boys grow up with me on an equal level of investment. I feel like the sole bearer of of the memories of. I, I've lost my co-rememberer. I've lost my mm-hmm. my my witness to to my life and the witness yeah. to their life, and that's just got me feeling so alone right now. Mm-hmm. It is really lonely to be in that place and to be grieving by yourself and to be the only one watching your boys grow up. There's a yeah. lot of grief there around all of that. Yeah, that's been hitting me particularly hard. I think doing some things to kind of bolster that, you know, writing about them, writing about their childhood, preserving things. You could almost do them in letters to your your husband if that felt like something um, you yeah. were telling him about the boys and how they were doing. But I'm sure there's complicated levels there. I mean, you, there must be some level of anger or and the relationship wasn't in a great place all the time. So I'm not sure what your sense of connection to him is. Yeah, that's hard because... I mean, he was not physically abusive. I wouldn't want to confuse that, but he was verbally so. Mm-hmm. I know so much about how he was raised and how mind-bendingly confusing that was for him to reconcile with the actual world. Mm-hmm. And I have such compassion for how hard he tried to adjust. Mm. It still hurts that he was mean yeah, to me. of course. And, and it's difficult to feel both things at the same time. Right. How much compassion do you have for yourself? I think I'm still working on that. Yeah. I still feel like maybe I could have done better or more. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. He was never, nobody, I never stopped saying I love you. I never stopped trying to rearrange the environment he was in so that he would feel more comfortable inside of it. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't know that anyone could have done more, and I still, some reason, feel like I should have. <laughs> I think having compassion for ourselves is is one of the hardest human journeys. I think there's a lot of judgment we place on ourselves and others, and 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 judgment that comes from others. And doing that work, just doing these constant kind of circling back to this idea of finding compassion for ourselves is is a really important part of it. Even just doing loving kindness meditations, you know, you can find them anywhere on the internet if you just search loving kindness meditations. And they're really centered around just sitting and having compassion for yourself. When we get to that place, even if we have just brief moments of it, even if you're not going to have it for the whole day or your whole life or your whole year, if you can have five minutes of compassion for yourself, it will soften so many things and change so many things for you. I think that that would be a a really beautiful part of your journey. Yeah, that sounds like something I'm really interested in following up on. Tell me about your brother and and his death. Uh, He was 10 Mm. and we were really very close, sort of teased for being so close, mm-hmm. you know, without the typical sibling rivalry. And yet, 
oddly enough, we would go every Saturday. We would ride our bikes a couple miles to this store because we lived sort of out on a farm. Mm -hmm. And our parents would give us money as kids for a candy bar. And it was a big treat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, this one Saturday, I did not go. Mm. And we'd even had a little bit of a spat about it, which was out of character for us. But I didn't go. And so he went with a friend instead. We you know it's the same path we I mean, same road we always took on our bikes, but um there was a, a young, reckless teenage driver who was passing in a non passing zone, not wearing his glasses like he's supposed to on his driver's license, no brake fluid in his truck, speeding, blind mm. turner, blind turn. And uh, just hit my brother dead on. Oh, and I wasn't there, and I'm always there. I was always there. So it's it's just sad, and it's been so many years. Gosh, so many years, but it's still very sad. No, it's heartbreaking. It's one of those things that you just cannot reconcile, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many ways you think about it. It just will never make sense or be okay. Right, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel like those two losses exist together? How's the grief similar or different? Or I would say that the grief is similar in that there are echoes of similar guilt, I feel, mm-hmm. and different in that it's easier to just miss my brother mm-hmm. because the relationship was so much less complicated. Right. Um, it was sweet and pure. and It was just sweet. Yeah. There was no real doubt of the affection or the care. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's easier to just miss him and, and let myself miss him instead of miss him and then wonder, did he feel the same way? What was he really thinking? Mm-hmm. How long? Mm-hmm. These two deaths have some similarities, but also some big differences. And how do you feel like you changed after your brother died? What do you think that that changed about you? Oh, gosh. I feel like I became even more of a people pleaser, caretaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my propensity anyway, mm-hmm. forever. But it's it's like it bumped it up to, you know on steroids. I mean, I really had a wonderful childhood and my parents were the strongest, best humans I knew. And they were understandably shattered. Yeah. And, and I, I remember thinking that it's going to take like a whisper of a breath and they're going to fall off a cliff Mm. and I cannot ever be that whisper. Oh, wow. I think at any age someone would have that inclination, but especially at 12, 13, you haven't, you haven't emotionally matured. You know, there was no way for you to understand the scope of it, to understand your role, mm-hmm. their roles, how to handle the emotions and grief that comes with that kind of loss. You did the best you could, I'm sure, at 12. Um, yeah. But I imagine that all of that is what led up to you being into, in a relationship with someone like your husband. Yeah, I've wondered that if it felt like I could be the one that would help him feel better because Mm -hmm. I knew how to adjust myself. Mm -hmm. Have you done much therapy around either your brother's death or your husband's? I have had a lot of help with my husband's, not as much since his death, but leading up to. 
We did marriage counseling for a number of years. And then we did a big move thinking that maybe a change of scenery would help him. Mm-hmm. And it did for a month and then it didn't. I think it would. there could be some really good work for you to do doing mm-hmm. some therapy just, you know, even just a few sessions going over some of these things. But I think one of the big pieces would be going back to that 12, 13-year-old version of yourself and Mm -hmm. kind of working with that internal version, you know, where I'm sure there's a version of you that got kind of stuck in that moment, Yeah, you know? Um, Yeah, I've wondered. And kind of going back and working with that 12-year-old version of yourself to soothe her and and kind of lead her up through adult life and just to understand yourself in a different way. That sounds so appealing <laughs> to be able to just like unclench my hands a little bit and let it go. If you could have a conversation with your husband now, what would you want to say to him? Wow. <laughs> um, I would want to say that... That I'm sorry he was in so much pain. I'd want him to know I'm taking really good care of our children. Mm. And that they miss him. What are you hoping to happen with this reading with Fleur? Are you you hoping to hear anything from either your brother or your husband? I honestly don't know. I've been thinking a lot about that since it was mentioned to me. I honestly don't, don't know. So I think all I'm hoping is that I can be open enough to experience whatever might happen. I think that there's a lot I don't know. And I'm open to what I don't, I'm open to the mystery of it. And just trying to stay clear. Is there anything you would like your brother to know? That we love him so much and we've missed him every day. Hmm. And we still talk about him and, um, and that mom and dad They just ache with missing him, but they're so grateful for the years they had. And I want him to know how much he's still loved. Hmm. How has it been to have these two boys? Do they remind you of him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal when my oldest turned 11 because we hadn't had a boy over 10. (laughs) So to have them both sort of past that mark feels like new ground and um, pretty special to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Do you tell them about him? Yeah, they know about him. My oldest has, is his middle name is, is Matthew after my brother. Hmm. So yeah, he's definitely very much a part of it all. That's lovely. Oh, I'm sorry you have had such big losses. There are both a lot to sort through. All these men, too. Your two boys, your brother, your husband. (laughs) There's a lot there. Um, There is. Yeah. I think going back and meeting that version of yourself, that 13-year-old girl, giving her some love, and then finding yourself now and really giving yourself some love. Yeah. It's going to be really healing for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I hope your session with Floor is fruitful and um, thank you brings even more healing. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Well, thank you so much for showing up to hear it and being such a light. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, take care. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes with Floor. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Suicide is really a particularly hard loss to grieve. I hope Jamie's time with Fleur gives her some comfort and provides her with some of the answers she's looking for. I won't tell Fleur any details about my session with Jamie. I'm so curious how it goes for them. I'm really hoping that Jamie is able to move forward in her grief. It's time for my reading with Jamie. She's prepared herself, and I have to prepare myself. I do that by meditating. I want to make sure that when I start a reading, I'm not bringing any of my own opinions or bias into the room. This morning, I find my way there by listening to some calming music, taking a few deep breaths, and then I give Jamie a call. Hi, Jamie. I'm Fleur. How's it going? Good. Nice to meet you. You as well. Are you ready for your reading? I am. I'm a little nervous, but yes, I'm ready. Well, that is to be expected. I think most people are (laughs) a little nervous or a lot nervous. So if you're a little nervous, I think that's all right. So yeah. Have you ever had any kind of reading before any experience with this? No. No. Okay. Wonderful. So I will explain a little bit about what to expect and then we'll get going. So as a medium, my job is to connect you with those on the other side. So my spiritual belief and my way of seeing life really is that our spirit, our soul, our consciousness continues after the physical body is no longer there. And Mm -hmm. that is also um, in alignment with you have a soul, a spirit, a consciousness while you are here. So the continuation of it is that you don't lose anything except for the physical form. So my job as a medium then is to translate for you here uh, to them. And the reason that we can communicate to begin with is because we have the same makeup. We both have the consciousness, the spirit form, the life force. And so it's me connecting with them and I'm using my own life force to connect with theirs. And that is the mode of translation. You'll hear me say, I'm seeing this right now. I feel this. I hear this. I know this. All I need from you is just, yes, that's factual. That makes sense. I understand. Or no, I don't. So it's as simple as that. Just a verbal yes or no. Okay. So let's get started here. My first impression is of a male who steps in right behind me, and as he comes in, he places himself as a, what would feel like a romantic partner to you, um, someone that is akin to a spouse or a romantic long-term partner. Do you see that there's someone past Mm -hmm. of that nature? Yes. Okay. Um, Would you also see his energy to be quite quirky, almost like ADD-like? He's got a lot of energy to him. Yeah. And I know that as he comes in, there is a sense of you having really been swept off your feet by this man. I feel like his quirkiness places him to a category where he'd be one of those people where you're like, wow, I've just never met anyone quite like you. You're very different. Do you see that? (laughs) Yes. And um, I know that uh, uh, for him, his energy as as he's looking at you is he's telling me that uh, he never thought that he could get someone like you, almost like you're out of his league or there's something (laughs) about you just being like so out of my league that I can't believe I I got hitched to you. Do you see this? Yes. 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 Y
<laughs> it just uh, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> it feels that way to me. It feels that way. Okay. Um, I see his passing as being very sudden. And I'm wanting to acknowledge that you yourself would not have had time to prepare for this in any way. For you, it feels like there's a very sudden departure around him. Yeah. And I know that as he comes into that space with me, um, okay. Okay. He talks about distancing himself from you slightly before his passing. So he's acknowledging the sense of kind of pushing you away or distancing himself. Do you, do you see that? Yes. Almost like he doesn't want you to see him or you would feel pushed out. Uh, you, you understand? Yes. And I know that he's um, sorry for that. I also feel like you yourself must have known that something wasn't quite right or would have uh, uh, there, there's almost like him starting some sort of fight so that he can push you away. And, and, and so it feels like there's a lot of conflicted emotion even before he passes. Do, do you see yes. this? Yes. Almost like we weren't on the best terms right beforehand. And he's recognizing now that he starts a fight um, so that he can have a reason or an excuse to push away. W- would you, would you see this? Yes. Because he really wants to take back the last things that were said or the last moments that were shared don't feel like they were really wonderful or really loving or how he truly feels. Did, did you see, see that? Yeah. So he really wants to take that back. It's almost like he's wanting to say that was not my intention. It's not how I truly felt. It's not what I really wanted. Um, because it feels like he from his perspective, doesn't respect the relationship at that point, almost like he threatens to potentially leave or he's disruptive to the to the core of what you guys have created. Do, do you understand that? Yes. And he's really sorry because it's not how he would have seen the relationship in its true form. And although that there's struggles there, he realizes that the love was really beautiful really really beautiful so i know that he needs to acknowledge this okay okay i okay now he's acknowledging for me that he can either speak with you about his passing or he can leave it and i'm going to give you that option do you do you want to acknowledge or do you want him to talk about his passing or or do we want to just work with him in other ways he's kind of giving you the option um i i i would like to know what he has to share about that okay all right um so there is a feeling of intentionality behind his passing. So I would place this as a suicide. He considers it very much something he does to himself to cause yeah. him to cause. You see, I know that that feels important. I would also recognize that there's a combination of factors at the time where I feel like I numb myself first. So there's some sort of uh, substance in the body. There's some sort of numbing that happens. Do you uh-huh. see this? And, and then I pass. And sometimes when people pass that way, they actually really reach out with love and connection. And I think with him, it was so hard to do that, that he actually tries to destroy a lot of relationships before he goes. Yeah. And 
this was his coping. It's not how he truly felt because it feels like he tries to destroy the relationship with you, but also with other people in his own family. And he's quite sorry about that. It almost feels like a catch 22 for himself where he gives himself a reason to go by destruction and by creating incredible havoc in his partnerships, in his relationships, in his community. And he sees that pattern now in a way that he was not able to see in, in life. Okay. Okay. I want to acknowledge that his passing doesn't feel to be incredibly recent for me. So I feel like I've already been past maybe five, six years. Do you, do you see that as well? Uh-huh. There's some sort of recognition about small town. So is he from a small town? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. There's something about small town, like where he also, grew up, everybody knows each other. Yes. And where we lived was a very small town. Everybody knows each other. I'm I'm seeing really small town dynamics in a way uh-huh. that everyone would have everyone you come into contact with would have known about his passing, how he passes. Yeah. It's like impossible to escape it. Exactly. And it feels like all everyone talks about and that there's not even a single random person you could meet at the grocery store who wouldn't know the story. Right. And so it feels like a big part of you releasing that constant state of grief and that constant state of trauma is actually moving away from the small town. Yeah. And he shows me that there's a shift there, uh, a, a new, a new place and it really sparks new life for you. You see that? Yeah. I would say that you're not in a small of a town now. Does that make sense too? Yeah. It feels a little bit bigger, feels a bit more metropolitan, feels like there's aspects to this that allow you to be engaged with um, a larger community. Uh-huh. I do see the consumption of alcohol quite regularly in a way that would not have been healthy. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. I see that there's an addiction. I see that there is an excessive consumption of alcohol. It feels like he himself did not identify it as such while he was here in the world. Yes. Yeah. He's acknowledging for you now that he sees that that was an addictive behavior, but he himself could not wrap his head around the fact that he was not in control when it came to alcohol. This feels like something you have had witnessed, you had seen, but he was not able to see. Do you see, do you understand that? Yeah. And I know that he needs to acknowledge for you that, first of all, he doesn't struggle with addiction any longer, but secondly, he sees how much of his behavior was wrapped up in that. And that he was very defensive and very deflective around it. It feels like it gets to the point where I actually see him in what looks like a truck and I've got alcohol that I'm drinking while I'm driving. Is that, do you understand that? Yep. And I, and I see him in in this truck and it feels like it's in my cup holder and he sees now how out of control that behavior was. Okay. Uh-huh. He kind of comes in a bit yeah. of a country boy. Yeah. And uh, happy to be that way and definitely doesn't want to change. <laughs> it feels like there's a time period in your relationship with him where you really see the dysfunction of the relationship, but you choose to stay because it feels like you want to to truly help him. And there is really true love there. 
and it feels like there's a constant effort made to help and to try to get him help. You see that as well? Yeah. I see two two children at one point. You see the two kids? Yeah. There's something about fear around children with him is is what I yeah. keep seeing. Like there's there's deep fear around kids and him. Yeah. And I would say that this fear around children in relation to him actually looks like it plays out two years before his passing. So in the last two years, it looks like there are a lot of issues that become heightened. And he's very aware that the behavior just gets worse and worse and worse and more and more and more out of control. Okay, one second. Let me get him to... Oh, okay. Wow. At one point, you must have put out a restraining order or like a court order. Do you see this? Yeah. He sees the need for that now. It actually looks like at the time it provokes a lot of anger on his part. Yeah. And he's sorry for that. He wishes he could take that back. I know his biggest need for you is to know that he understands the actions you took and is actually quite proud of you for taking them because they were necessary. And he, he sees how out of control he was. Now, I don't feel that that's his spirit. I don't feel that that's his life force, his soul. I think there's a lot of good there. I think you had seen a lot of good in life with him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that the reason you stay is because you still see the good. Mm-hmm. He wants to acknowledge that that's the person, the spirit, the life force that he wants to be be now and that all interactions from the spirit world feel like they come from that space in regards to the kids because he still has a purpose to be their father and so he will continue to help and continue to help them grow but from a place of him being the best version of himself there's a huge need to not only apologize but just recognize that he sees the issues in a way that i feel he's completely oblivious of in life And his purpose as a father continues. He didn't do the job he was supposed to in life, and he's going to do it now. It feels like after his passing, you had to deal with some debt that's left over on his end. Do you see that? Yes. Financial debt that had been accumulated from him that you have had to deal with. He shows me that you've done an amazing job in terms of redirecting your life, getting the finances in a way that moves forward. And he does want you to know that you're going to be in a good place with that one day. So it feels like there was a moment where it feels overwhelming or unable to get out of it. And he just is so sorry for that, but he's recognizing that you're doing everything you could. You've made every sacrifice for these boys. You're very hands-on. He just wants, you know, he sees all of it. Let's ask him some questions before. I think there are a few people that also need to come in. He does feel like the most important, but I want to give you an opportunity to ask him some questions and it can be absolutely anything. Um, I guess I just want to know which parts of the ways he expressed how he felt about me were true or more true. 
um, there were a lot of really awful things left behind. <clears throat> and it, it's hard. It made me doubt whether the real things were him just trying to convince himself or if they were true. And so I'm wondering what is most true. It feels like there's an amazing amount of respect and love for you that gets very skewed by him expressing anger and destruction and there's an element to him where he wants to make people feel bad because he feels bad so there's this projection of hate and anger and mean things said to him or said mean things that he says because he feels hurt so I don't feel that those are true things about your character at all. I feel that you know that. Yeah. And I would say most of those hateful things are said in the last six months of his life. Mm-hmm. He also, see, it seems like he actually leaves behind written notes or documents in which he says very hateful and mean things as well. Yeah. And he'd like you to shred those. Because those are not true. They come from a place of deep addiction, deep anger, and a deep desire to hurt because he hurts. That mental space of confusion, that emotional space of confusion in life no longer exists on the other side. You are an amazing mother or an amazing partner. You did everything you could to get him help. He does not want you to carry around those mean words. And he doesn't want you to keep them either because it actually looks like some of them have been kept in the world or not destroyed. Yes. Get rid of them. They're not true. He doesn't want you to keep them. Okay. Do you see that there's also a young boy who's passed as well? Like a young, younger yeah. boy. You see that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wants to come in and say hi too. Um, let me just shift the energy a little bit because we're going to have your husband just step to the left. He'll still be here if there's any other questions that you'd like to ask later, but I want to bring in this, this young, young boy. Cause um, yeah. this younger boy passed, I would say maybe, Gosh, like 25, 30 years ago. Do you see that? Yes. Long time ago. And there's such a sweet connection to you. Such joy (laughs) of getting to reunite. I also want to say that this young boy, when he passes, he's quite young, but his name does get memorialized in a way by it being given to someone else as a middle name. Yes. And he just wants to express like such joy in that and that he just feels so remembered by that. I feel like he is the cutest little kid when he's younger. Like I feel like he could have modeled for cute little kids to be honest. He's just adorable. And very, to use like the English term, very cheeky. So there's kind of a mischievousness about it. And a sense of 
um, giving your parents quite a hard time when he's younger. Um, I also feel like when he is younger, he must have, or the both of you must have lived in a place where I can go out and explore nature or I can just like go out and, um, for the whole day, you know, where it's like, I know when dinner time is and I'll return, but for the whole day I can just go play. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it feels like I can just go out and play and ride my bike and like have a good time. And he has such fond memories of this. I also feel that, um, there's another sibling, cause I think this is a sibling of yours. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And do you see that he has another sibling also still living in the world? Yes. Because okay. it feels like I need to not just recognize you, but another one as well. And yes. wanting to say that he's seen you all grow up and he's been around. Um, now, your dad's still living, you see? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He just wants to say hi to dad, too. And and actually, I think mom's still living, too. So mom, mom and dad are both in the world. Do you see this? Yes. And wants to extend... A hello to them wants to say that he's around he's okay all is well i i want to acknowledge that um at the time of his passing it feels like the family isn't there or isn't able to be there does that make sense um or it, fe- so. it feels like there's some sort of accident that when we when it happens we don't see it oh when it happened, yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. because it feels like there's an accident that we don't see. Like we don't see it. We're not yes. there for it. And um, he must have, because he talks about being a little, because he, he's, he's, he's aware that when this happens, everyone's very concerned because it feels like a lot uh-huh. is broken in the body. Do you see this? Yeah. Like a lot yes. of bones are broken. And he just wants people to know that he wasn't feeling it. Because the body, I, I feel like he loses consciousness already. Um, yeah, oh, good. Since his passing, there was a dog that also crossed over. Do you see this? Yes. Because he's like, ooh, the dog came, and that was a great moment. <laughs> so he's been there on the other side. But he's well and good and just wants you to know that he's been your guardian angel for a long time. <laughs> And I actually feel like you've had a moment in your life, maybe where you were in a near accident, where nothing happened, and you thought maybe he was responsible for nothing happening. Do you, do you see this? Yes. Because it feels like he he's like, yeah, no, I was involved. Wanting you to know that. <laughs> do you have any questions for him? I don't have any questions. I just want him to know I love him. Yeah. He loves you too. Looks. Yeah, we look- <laughs> We all do, and we miss him. <clears throat> yeah. He sees that. Um, okay. It feels like there's other people in the spirit world as well that just want to say a quick hello, but these two are the main two that show up for me. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that both want you to know how often they come around how much they're a part of your life how much they want to help that you can ask them for help at any point okay well they send a lot of love thank you so much for letting me connect with them thank you so much i don't know what i expected but this was this was really something 
I'm really glad. And wonderful. Yeah. Well, they did a fantastic job, so you'll have to thank them for me as well. And uh, (laughs) I always like to just remind you, too, you don't ever need a medium to connect with them and that I'm not their only channel, meaning they're here for you, not for me. So they're around you. They're only connecting with me because I'm talking to you. And there's many ways of interacting with them, asking them for help. It's as simple as just asking. And you'll start to see the little ways in which they do show up. I'm just here to show you that it's possible. Okay? Okay. All right. You're so welcome. Thank you. I've just completed my reading with Jamie. It felt like an amazing connection. I was so grateful that her husband and her little brother both stepped forward. I really feel like we connected and it feels incredibly meaningful to be part of that for Jamie. I hope that she's able to release some of the conflicting emotions that hang over both of these passings. And I'm really excited to see her move forward. I know she will. Hi, Jamie. Uh, Hi. I'm Elizabeth, the producer of this podcast, (laughs) and I just wanted to do a quick follow-up with you and check in to see how your reading with Fleur went. It was, um, I was nervous going in. I've never had anything done like that before. I wasn't quite sure what I even thought of it, (laughs) Um, but it it was staggering in, in a really good way. Yeah, she so thank hit, you for arranging that. Oh, my pleasure. She really hit on, I think, everything that you were afraid to hear, but also that you kind of needed to hear. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Is there anything that really stands out to you um, that came through that surprised you or shocked you? I was shocked by the specificity of um, some of the timelines she was able to provide. And the accuracy of describing uh, their personalities. Yeah. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. And the, and, and that he was sorry. And mm-hmm. that was a powerful thing to hear. I'm honestly, I'm still feeling a little stunned. I think it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a lot to process. Yeah. And the specificity of um, you having written things that he left behind. Oh my gosh. That were not very that nice was- to you unbelievable that was unbelievable and she gave you a little bit of advice from him that he wants you to shred them yeah to burn (laughs) it to shred it to get rid of those do you think that's something that you want to do yeah it is absolutely something that I will do I'm not sure why I've held on to them this whole time other than I think I thought it would eventually if I looked at it again later maybe when I would heal a little bit more from some distance it might help me understand what had happened but I don't think they will. I think they just rehurt every time I look at them. And so to be told to get rid of that. Yeah, that makes complete sense. It actually sense. is a huge weight off my chest. And then the sweet, sweet brother that came through. Oh, my gosh. That just made my heart, like, leap with joy. Uh, because it's been so long. But she just described him so well. And uh, oh, it was just, it was just joy. That he's been your guardian angel for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Pretty darn great. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's always pretty special to learn that. Have you had those feelings or thought that before that he possibly was a guardian angel? I mean, I've certainly just wondered. You know, sometimes you talk to the air of the people and addressing the people that are gone, but you're not really sure if it's just you getting things out of your chest or. Yeah. Yeah, it just it definitely makes me sort of look back on all kinds of moments and, and wonder. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's expanded my my sense of wonder. Well, I really hope that this was really helpful to you and helps you move beyond this level of grief. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, yes. Suicide leaves so many questions and so much hurt. And uh, to have those addressed in such a healing way. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I'll ever quite be able to thank you for that. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. Of course. Moving Beyond is an original production produced by Elizabeth Mihelich and Fleur Lesink. You can find Claire Bidwell-Smith on her website at www.clairebidwellsmith.com, C-L-A-I-R-E-B-I-D-W-E-L-L-S-M-I-T-H.com, and Fleur at mediumfleur.com, M-E-D-I-U-M. F-L-E-U-R dot com. If you're interested in being on a future episode of Moving Beyond, please send us an email to podcasts at mediumfleur.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R dot com. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details